The following podcast contains explicit language and movie spoilers. You've been warned. No, seriously, there, there's spoilers and, and foul language. Yeah. Welcome to $20 Ticket, where we tell you how much we would pay to watch Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. My name is Kerwin, and joining me today is Jason. What up, Jason? Not much. How about you, Kerwin? I'm good, man. What are you drinking today? It's an ice cold Coors Light. All right. Also with us is Mugga. What up, Muggs? What's going on? What are you drinking? Some Merlot. And uh, making his return is Dominic. What's up, Dominic? What up, Kerwin? What are you drinking today? Some Fanta. Fanta? Fanta. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. I know what that is. I don't know what a Fanta is. And uh, rounding out the panel today is Bling. What up, Bling? What's going on, man? What are you drinking today? Uh, nothing right now. At the moment. We'll change that. Okay. Get All this right. man a shield. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> funny. I was listening to the phase three. Yeah. All right. Uh, yes, we are talking about the fifth movie in the Mission Impossible franchise, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. It was released July 31st, 2015, and it stars Tom Cruise, Jeremy Renner, Simon Pegg, Rebecca Ferguson, Ving Rhames, Sean Harris, and Alec Baldwin. It's directed by Christopher McQuarrie, and it's written by Christopher McQuarrie and Drew Pierce, and it's distributed by Paramount Pictures. Uh, So let's talk about our experience with this movie. Uh, Bling, tell us your experience with Rogue Nation. So Rogue Nation was the first Mission Impossible film that I saw in theaters right uh, after opening weekend. So thoroughly enjoyed myself, and I think this was the the start of seeing every Mission Impossible film in theaters, but I just, great experience overall. All right, uh, my experience with Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, uh, it was also the first uh, Mission Impossible movie I'd seen in theaters, saw it in IMAX with 10, shout out to 10. I liked it a lot when I saw it. Um, I ended up buying it um, over the Christmas break, um, you know, Apple, TV had like the sale on all the movies and whatnot, so I bought it, and um, I liked it a lot more after I owned it. But uh, we'll save that for Trash and Treasure. Uh, Jason, uh, what's your experience? So Mug and I went to go watch this in theaters. Yeah. And uh, I think it was in Redlands, right? Studio Grill or something like that? Was it Studio Grill? I think so. Might have been called something else. It wasn't in Rancho? No, no, no. It was near your parents' house. And then we left your parents and oh, okay. to go watch the movie. We were drinking before, right? Yeah, and then in the movie too, we took yeah. a couple shots of like something important in our. This our, is before the, like they were selling alcohol in the theaters, yeah. I think, or Krikorian wasn't doing it yet. Yeah. Yeah, Krikorian. Yeah. Um, so, I I just remember watching the movie, and I think like I think mugs had to go take a leak right before the movie started. So that's, so yeah, you, you're going you, into my experience. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. So I'll let you tell that part, but yeah. I just remember like leaving the theater. And like I feel like right when we got outside, Mug is like, you know what? I'm gonna have to rewatch this movie because I feel like I missed a lot of the big stuff. I was like, yeah, you did. But uh, but then yeah, I rewatched this actually right before I came to do this podcast. Um, I had watched it previously recently when we did the Tom Cruise bracket. Um, but I think I was watching so many Tom Cruise movies at the time, everything was bleeding together, so I had to rewatch it. But um, yeah, I, just, I rewatched it, and lucky enough, I had it on Blu-ray, so I didn't have to rent it. So that was nice. Nice. And I got that from you probably when you gave away all your Blu-rays at one point. Oh, I did. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I think I had Ro- you had Rogue Nation, so I got that. From cool. You. So thanks, uh, Bling. Lucky. Shout out to Bling. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> all right, Mugga, what's your experience? So, like Jason was saying. <laughs> The hype around this movie, they really were showing the airplane scene where he's hanging out, you know? 
And I mean, every every impossible movie has like a signature Tom Cruise moment. I felt like they were hyping, hey, here's the one. So you really wanted to see that. Well, we were drinking before, and I was like, you know, it's that like I have to go to the bathroom, but I don't want to. Get, I'm gonna go right now. And the movie had just started. It's at the beginning. I missed that whole goddamn scene. <laughs> so I was so pissed, you know. And I think because of that, I just kept drinking more. And I think I blacked out a little bit during the movie because I just rewatched it three days ago. And this movie is badass, but none of it I remember. And I because I remember watching it. Uh, for the Tom Cruise movie bracket, but I don't think I watched this. I just said, oh, I've already watched it. I didn't really care for it. But like you're saying, the second time around, this movie is really good. So giving you a little foreshadowing of how I feel about it. But but yeah, that was my experience. So you missed the airplane scene? I finally saw it. It was really cool. Yeah. I, I bet you're mad you uh, took off to go pee. Nah, I'm sorry. That was a wee, guys. That's all I got. I'm sorry. I, I apologize. Uh, and uh, Dominic, uh, what's your experience? Uh, I can't remember my exact experience, but I know I saw this in theaters. I don't know. There was like a stint for like years where I would just go to movies by myself. So I can't really recall. There's like, nothing wrong with that. Have you guys all yeah. done that? I've done it. There's nothing wrong with that. I think I went along that. and I saw this movie. Yeah, yeah. No, I've done that before. It's cool. My friends will all hit me up like, hey, how come you don't invite me? I'm just like, bro, I just do it last minute. Like it's on a whim. Okay. Can we talk about this? This might be an extra credits one day, but like, okay. Don't you hate when you're trying to see a movie and people are trying to pull you away from going to see it because, like, it doesn't fit their schedule and you're just like, no, 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 I'm going. Do you want to go with me? Yeah, it's, not like, it's not like, can we go together? That's yeah. exactly why I stopped hitting people up. Like, oh, waiting for their texts. And I don't know, I have, I have friends that, like, text like girls. They take, like, two hours to reply. So I just got tired of it and started going by myself. So fun for me, you know? I feel you. Yeah. I feel you. Sometimes you just want to see it now. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think, I think the last movie I saw by myself in the theaters was uh, was Ad Astra. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that experience, yeah. When I was sitting the, in that seat, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. fucking what, what, moves around What they call that again? The D-Box? D- D- D-Box, D- D- <laughs> yes. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck this is, but yeah, I guess we'll spend an extra couple You were bucks. the only one that was in one of those seats, right? Yeah, there's like, it's like, there's two rows of, of regular seats, and it's like walled off, these other two rows, and they're like bigger chairs and stuff, and I was like, I guess I'm in, and there's like two rows behind it, but I got one of those chairs, and oh my God, I'll never forget that experience. Yeah, they made sure you wouldn't forget. <laughs> I was like, what in the fuck? Like, lift off, like, seat starts to move around. Oh my God, yeah. So I was kind of glad I was alone on that one. But yeah, I remember enjoying the movie, but like, I, I don't think I watched it again, like, afterwards. So when I watched it yesterday, I was like, damn, I forgot, like, the whole plot, just like all the scenes. So I was like, this is really great. Well, th- this is into my experience. As I'm watching it, it's one of my treasures. I know we're not, but Luther's in it, and I'm like, oh shit, I totally forgot that because I missed the opening scene. <laughs> yeah. And then I think I was blacked out drunk at the end. So I didn't, I was like, I forgot Luther's in this, you know? So yeah. yeah. But yeah, go to movies by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say uh, there's not much, there's not as much of a stigma around it as you think. Like going to movies by myself. I have seen so many other people go to movies by themselves because I go by myself. I, I like notice that, and then you f- you realize like it's actually normal. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I think I think a lot of people don't realize that it's actually normal to go to a movie it's by like yourself. Chilling. It's like going to a bar to have yeah. a drink. You know yeah. what I mean? By yourself. Well, that, that's, that's a little different. That's more of a social setting. I feel like. You've never gone to the bar by myself, nah. At the bar, oh, oh at you the never bar, got, like, yeah. 
Chili's Bar and Grill instead of the bar top. Yeah, I did that. Yeah. Buffalo. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've I've been a I've been to the bar or like not the bar at night, but like like if yeah yeah yeah. I like, thought you were talking about like, like night scene. I'm like whoa. No, 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 this ain't pickup artists. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Nah, nah, nah. I, I think also our preference has changed because I know in the past it used to be if I once I see a movie in a theater I wouldn't I, I wouldn't want to see it again. But now I think it's also pretty normal if I see a movie in the theater I'm okay seeing it again whether it be my you know, the first time alone and seeing with a group or the first time seeing with a group and then, you know, maybe seeing it by myself to kind of get a deeper, you know, just uh, pay more attention and just be just, you know, in the film. So I think that's also changed as well. So before we get into behind the scenes, Mugga hit us with the financials. All right. So this this financially did very well. I feel like I'm going to go through this pretty quickly because we've done this four other times. It's the exact same thing. Um, I'm going to do something different, though. I'm actually going to include the uh, home market performance, which is the DVD and Blu-ray sales. But uh, um, domestically, it did a little over 195 million. Uh, internationally, almost 494 million. So totaling out 689 million. So very successful. The uh, budget was 150. So you can see where this goes. Um, opening weekend, I'll get into where it did debut at one. Um, made a little over 55 million, but um, it did make another 27.5 million on the what we call home market performances. I guess Bling is part of that. Gave it to Jason, but yeah, these are the DVD sales. It made a little over 11 million on DVD sales and then 16 on Blu-ray. So I would think it'd be higher. Is that because maybe they don't include digital or something? I, I don't know. So I don't, I don't know. I, 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 it's something new that I saw that I might try to start doing for the finances. But is that... Is, I mean, this is the first time ever doing this on a podcast. Is that relatively low or high, do you guys think? I, I have no idea about yeah. that. But I do know that a lot of Blu-rays come with a digital copy. So uh, that, that might offset like the digital it. copy sales got a little it. bit. But anyways, um, we know where this ranks. If you want to, I mean, I'm just going to go through it real quick. This came in at third. Um, number one is Fallout and two is Ghost Protocol. The other three are a little bit below that. But financially, it did very, very well. Um, looking at the weekend, though, that it came out, there is a lot of movies that are in theaters at the time or just coming out. Um, I got a list of 25. And the reason why I stopped it at 25 because I had to. Avengers Age of Ultron was in theaters. Um, yeah, it was in um, for a while. But just to kind of go down at 21, you had Mad Max. Um, you had Ted 2 at 16. Uh, Magic Mike XXL. I never saw that. That <laughs> was at uh, 14. Um, getting into like the top 10, though, you had Jurassic World at top 10. Uh, Southpaw was at seven, and then Ant-Man was at three, oh, and wow. Mission Impossible number one uh, that weekend, though. So so very successful, not only for the opening weekend, but overall. So, yep, those are the finances. All right, Jason, uh, tell us what the people thought. So according to Rotten Tomatoes, uh, 94% of the critics liked it, with an average rating of 7.5 out of 10. And the audience, 87% of the audience gave it a 3.5 or higher with an average rating of 4.1 out of 5. So relatively well. I would read some of the, you know, reviews that I do, but everything's, there's no real bad ones on here. So um, they're just, you know, sucking Tom Cruise's dick. I'm just just going to bypass that. Um, But I also looked up like we've done in the past too. Um, this one came in second overall from the rating. So number one at 97% was Fallout, and then number two is Rogue Nation at 94%. So um, second best one according to Rotten Tomatoes. And then IMDb uh, got a 7.4 out of 10, so a little bit lower than the Rotten Tomatoes score. Um, the demos are all pretty similar. I think the highest one is Males, under 18, gave it a 7.8, but there's only 161 votes. But the median score was an 8. So a little bit higher than the average, but yeah, those are the ratings. IMDb gave them seven point five. 
Se- yeah, 7.4 out of 10. That's like a C? Everyone else like a solid like C. 90s? Yeah. Solid C. What's yeah. going on there? Yeah, I guess they didn't see the same movie we saw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but 60% of the votes were between, you know, 8 or 7 points. So, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Median average score was, or sorry, the median score was 8. But yeah, that's the ratings. Time for behind the scenes. Let's talk about the development of Rogue Nation. Uh, originally, the studio wanted to bring back Brad Bird, the director of Ghost Protocol, uh, but he decided to do Tomorrowland instead. Uh, in August 2013, Paramount and Skydance Productions announced that Christopher McQuarrie, who was personally requested by Tom Cruise, uh, would direct Mission Impossible 5 with the screenplay by writer Drew Pierce. Christopher McQuarrie wrote The Usual Suspects, but has also been on a number of Tom Cruise projects as well. Uh, He wrote Valkyrie, The Tourist, Edge of Tomorrow, The Mummy, Top Gun Maverick, uh, wrote and directed both Jack Reacher movies, and in addition to writing and directing Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, he went on to write and direct Mission Impossible Fallout and is the writer and director on Mission Impossible 7 and I believe 8. But I could be wrong. But I know he's he's in on Mission Impossible 7. And I believe, as we discussed the last episode, uh, he's an uh, uncredited writer on X-Men, Rogue One, The Wolverine, American Made, and Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Writer Drew Pierce, um, he was a writer on Iron Man 3. He also wrote and directed the uh, All Hail the King Marvel one-shot, you know, with the Mandarin uh, after Iron Man 3. And uh, he also wrote Hobbs and Shaw, and he directed Hotel Artemis. Uh, In May 2014, writer Will Staples was also hired as a writer for the film, replacing Drew Pierce. He wrote Without Remorse, that uh, Amazon Michael B. Jordan movie that just came out. And uh, he also wrote Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 and uh, Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. I don't play COD, so I don't know how to feel about that, but hey. Uh, Eventually, Christopher McQuarrie would replace Will Staples as the writer. Maybe he didn't like Call of Duty either, who knows. So regarding the script, once again, uh, the script for this movie came out after they planned the major action sequences. They were even rewriting the script while they were filming. And at one point they had to stop filming in uh, early 2015 so they could redo the ending of this movie. So, I feel like they've mastered that. To, like They got it down packed like to perfection. Procrastinating? Yeah. <laughs> what movie <laughs> like, they started on? Was it three? Or did they just, just do it like for the, Ghost Protocol? The whole series. The whole series. It was just like action set pieces. Script later. That's how National Treasure number two was, right? Yeah. We went over that. Mm-hmm. That's kind of an unfortunate. That's a trash right there. <laughs> yeah, but you if you didn't know that, I don't know if you'd... F- I didn't feel that. No. I didn't feel that either. I'm yeah. just... I hate that I know that now. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, so. Yeah, because I'm yeah. watching this and I'm just like, oh, wow. It's they really actually, thought out. It's, yeah. it's, it is a tight script. Yeah. But like to see this again, I'm just like... Well, Bro, you, you guys are going to make money. Just yeah. write it out. <laughs> well, it's kind of like Dominic said. They kind of mastered it, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they got so good at just like winging it. I mean, I guess it's a, you develop a skill like freestyling. You're just winging it the whole time. You just, I don't know. The, yeah, uh, that's, that's my analogy. But <laughs> I got you. I feel yeah. you. Yeah. Um, on March 22nd, 2015, Paramount officially unveiled the title of Mission Impossible 5 as Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. So there was a little conflict with Disney uh, regarding the title of this movie. Uh, A few weeks earlier, Disney had announced that the title of their latest Star Wars film at the time was Rogue One. But they couldn't do anything about it because Paramount got their title for Rogue Nation cleared by the Motion Picture Association of America in January of that year. So instead of changing the title of their Star Wars movie, uh, Disney agreed to not mention or promote Rogue One in any advertising until after Rogue Nation released. 
And this isn't the only conflict uh, that Mission Impossible had with Disney. Uh, the initial release date for Rogue Nation was uh, Christmas 2015, um. but they moved it to July in order to avoid competition with The Force Awakens, which was also released in December that year. And uh, another reason they moved to the summer, you know, from the winter, was because of Spectre, the 007 movie, which had an identical premise. You know, James Bond is trying to find about Spectre, you know, just like Tom Cruise is trying to find out about Syndicate. So similar movies, so they kind of moved away from that. Uh, we know which movie is better, though. True. Yeah. Let's talk about the cast now. So we got Tom Cruise as Ethan Hunt. Not much to say about that. He's back. He's the franchise. We know it's good. Uh, then we got Jeremy Renner as William Brandt. Uh, this would be the last Mission Impossible that Jeremy Renner would appear in. Although, according to IMDb, he still does have one more Mission Impossible movie left on his contract. As for why he wasn't in this movie, uh, it might have to do with the fact that uh, Age of Ultron was filming at the same time with Civil War being developed or in production afterwards. Um, so when we get to Fallout, we'll talk more about why he's not in this franchise uh, for now. Uh, then we got Simon Pegg coming back as Benji Dunn. On uh, playing Benji, Simon Pegg told MTV that he was looking forward to returning in that quote, I've already started eating a carrot a day to get in shape. Good for you, man. Uh, then we got Ving Rhames returning as uh, Luther Stickle. Uh, he and Tom Cruise uh, are the only actors to appear in every Mission Impossible so far, including the next movie, Mission Impossible Fallout. We have Rebecca Ferguson as uh, Ilsa Faust. Uh, she's been in Doctor Sleep, Men in Black International, and The Greatest Showman, and uh, she's also gonna be in the upcoming Dune movie. Uh, the first choice for this role was Jessica Chastain, but she declined because she didn't want to do six months of training for the role. I, I feel that Ving Rings and everyone is kind of bullshit because in Ghost Protocol, he at the very end having a corona with Tom Cruise. It doesn't count, dude. It was, I mean, a, cam it was a cameo, yeah. But I mean, it doesn't count. Like, But whatever, dude. I mean, he's not holding his breath. So. He's yeah. barely in it. Yeah. Uh, so regarding, uh, you know, kind of the lead female role in this movie, uh, the studio actually tried to bring back Paula Patton and Maggie Q from the previous movies to play their original characters, but they both couldn't do it due to scheduling. So we would have had, uh, so the whole crew might have been all returnees from like previous movies, which is crazy. That would have been cool. Yeah. Be cool to see Paula Patton back. Yeah. 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 Bring it together like uh, the Avengers, man. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> then we got uh, Alec Baldwin as Alan Hunley, the CIA director. You know, we all know Alec Baldwin, Pearl Harbor, The Departed, Hunt for Red October, and uh, you know Jack Donaghy from Thirty Rock. Every time I see him in a suit, that's all I can think of. He's in one episode of Friends. He's dating Phoebe. Wait, him? Mm -hmm. He's oh. dating Phoebe. He's like the most like positive guy, and they all get sick of him. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. To total departure from this movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is the second time he's done a movie with Tom Cruise. The last one was uh, Rock of Ages. I never saw that. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a musical, right? It is. Yeah. It yeah. is a musical. So That's we gotta, might have to watch that, guys. Surprising that wasn't on the Tom Cruise bracket that we did, huh? I've never heard of the film, so. Yeah. How did Legend make it, but Rock of Ages did it? Legend is... It's amazing. It's a yeah. Ridley Scott really film. That's why. Yeah. Well, wait, I'm sorry. I've never seen it. Wait, Legend is Ridley Scott? Yes. Oh, no. That's R why. What are you doing, Ridley? It's so horrible. It's so horrible. <laughs> Let's move on to something positive. Uh, then we got uh, Sean Harris as Solomon Lane. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch was the first actor they considered uh, to play the villain in this movie. Um, initially, Sean Harris was kind of iffy about playing this role because he wasn't well known in movies and he was more of a TV actor. 
Um, What's he in? Uh, I didn't see a lot that I recognized okay. on his IMDb. I think it's like uh, overseas stuff, but uh, he was in Prometheus, and uh, he's also set to appear in uh, The Green Knight that's coming out oh, this year. Uh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. What, the movie itself? or No, The Green Knight. I, I was looking at the trailer the other day. He did one of the movie after uh, Mission Impossible. Uh, I think it was the In the Name of the King or something like that, or with some Netflix. Isn't that, is that like a Nick Cage movie or something I, like that? I, I, don't know. I'm a mess, I think I'm messing up the name, but it has Tim, Timothy Chalamet. What oh, Timothy Chalamet. Chalamet, yeah. Oh, King. King. It's just called King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like a series or a movie. It was a movie on Netflix. Got you. I kind of would almost prefer to see Benedict. I don't know. I like this guy. I thought his voice was just yeah. Evil, dude. yeah. I, 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 I think it was a good movie to in, introduce him to the world because yeah. prior to this, I didn't know who he was. Yeah. I mean, he has. It's almost like Spock. He has like no emotion. Remember when yeah. he kills the assistant? The way he talks. I, I, I liked him. You, you're digging into my treasure. So uh, <laughs> he, he reminds me a lot of uh, of uh, Khan, air quotes in Into Darkness, yeah. kind of. Um, yeah. So regarding uh, you know Solomon Lane in this movie, uh, he's the only Mission Impossible villain to return to the series, not being killed off. Uh, you know, he shows up in Mission Impossible Fallout. Uh, spoilers, of course. Sorry, guys. But you Wait, you, you, you heard the warning again. at the beginning. I gotta watch Fallout again. I don't remember uh, it. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. I gotta stop drinking. <laughs> Uh, according to IMDb, uh, he only wanted to play the villain in this movie if they killed off his character. But when McQuarrie and Cruz couldn't find a satisfying way to kill him off, they settled for capturing him and not having him appear again, which is kind of ironic because he's yeah. just like, kill me. And then they're like, yeah, you know, you'll be the first bad guy we bring back. So that, I, you know, I feel bad for him. But hopefully he enjoyed his time in the sixth movie. Uh, then we got uh, Jens Holton as a uh, Yannick Vinter, the bone doctor. Uh, he was in Skyfall. Uh, as one of the guys that falls into the frozen lake, you know, when they're fighting on the ice at the end. So he was in Skyfall too. Uh, we got Simon McBurney as a Atlee, chief of the Secret Intelligence Service or MI6. He's in Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1, The Last King of Scotland, and uh, he's also the evil doctor, scientist from the Manchurian Candidate. Oh. So the oh, guy that puts okay. the chip in... Um, Enzo's head? No, Sabretooth's head. Well, all of their heads, of oh, course. Yeah, okay. but he's he's the evil scientist in that movie. Uh, then we got uh, Tom Hollander as the UK Prime Minister. Uh, he's in Valkyrie, Hannah, and uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, as well as uh, The King's Men. So this is the guy that's playing the Prime Minister towards the end. Yeah. yeah. So that's him. I think he was also in Pirates, one of the Pirates films. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, snap. I think he was a... Uh, What's his name? He was the guy that owned the the British East and uh, East British uh, whatever company. Yeah, he was yeah. In, he was in the second or third one, I believe. I've only seen the first two, so yeah, yeah. And then rounding out the cast, we have uh, uh, Zhang Jingchu as the CIA analyst that gives Benji the polygraph test. So I hope I said that name right. I hope I pronounced it right. Um, this actress played the grown-up version of Su Young in Rush Hour Three. Oh, oh I see why you brought her up. I was like, why are you bringing up yeah. this? <laughs> well, here's, a, here's, here's another reason I'm bringing her up. Because early on when this movie was getting cast, like mm -hmm. when they were getting the cast together, her role was being described as a leading role and that it was crucial to the plot. But we all see what happens in the movie. She's in, she's in the movie for like a minute and uh, she's only in one scene, says like two lines, and they don't even say her name in the movie. Yeah. So... I mean, I, I get it. We have a uh, like a Chinese production company, yeah. and you know we're bringing in a, a Chinese or Hong Kong actress, and we just flash them in there for a little bit, and we carry on. It's kind of like what we talked about with um, Independence Day Resurgence. We bring in like this super super popular Asian actress only to to draw in dollars, you know, uh, internationally, which kind of sucks. I kind of feel like 
I just wish like they would do that genuinely and not yeah. like you know like just be upfront. Yeah, just be upfront with it. It's just like just just cast the damn actor. It's in a marketing an ploy role. to bring in the the so Asian were, audience. I get it. Yeah. Though, right? Huh? There were rewrites. They were there. Will get cut down or? I it could have been cut down. I, I have no idea. But like to go from describing it as a leading role to this. To not even get in like a full last minute of screen time, that's that's kind of or scary. your name being yeah, called or your name even being said. Like, yeah, I I just wish like it would be a little more genuine once in a while, where it's just like, hey, you're actually in a lead role, you're actually in a significant role, as opposed to we just need the money. Like that shit kind of yeah. sucks. Yeah, yeah. So young. Yeah. Sorry. Play uh. To get that off my chest. Play sweet sweet fantasy by Mariah Carey. Yeah. yeah. Uh, moving on to the production crew. Uh, so we have uh, a couple of significant people. We got a. Paul Inglis, uh, he's the supervising art director. He worked on Game of Thrones, Blade Runner 2049, Skyfall, and The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, we got Jim Bissell, who's the production designer. He worked on 300, Ghost Protocol, Jumanji, E.T., and uh, Jack Reacher. Ooh. I don't know about you guys, but I love the cinematography in this movie. Mm-hmm. Our cinematographer for this film is uh, Roger Elswit. Uh, he did uh, King of Staten Island, Nightcrawler, the town and uh, there will be blood. So those are the movies he worked on. The town. Can we review the town? That movie's badass, dude. <laughs> it is. It is very, very, so very good. All those movies we listed. Yeah. Nightcrawler is like, yeah, insane. Yeah, it's a sleeper, man. Like I don't think a lot of people have seen it, but it's really good. I think I think we got to throw that on the list. Yeah, yeah, we have to do that soon. But everything's like real vibrant in the movie. I feel like, especially the opening scenes. Like I don't know, colors and stuff just pop a lot. It looks really good. Oh yeah, like there's there's a whole lot of contrast in that. Like. It has like a very like graphic novel type feel, like a yeah. crime movie type feel. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah I like it a lot. Um, and then uh, at the very end of this, we got a uh, Joanna Johnston, costume designer. She worked on Lincoln, Valkyrie, War of the Worlds, Saving Private Ryan, Forrest Gump, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Back to the Future Parts Two and Three, and Hellraiser. Well, her resume sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, she. We got some killers, man, on this yeah, production yeah. crew. Like we got some good ass people. And uh, you know, speaking of you know the people we got on the crew, let's move on to stunts. Um, so because we're gonna start with stunts and then just build everything around that, right? Is that how we're gonna do this exactly. Okay. Yeah. I see where you're going, Carol. Exactly. I see what you're doing. You know, I, I try to work it in there. Um, so for this particular movie, we are gonna focus on the stunts, like you said, Mugga. Uh, but I do want to call out the uh, stunt coordinator, uh, Wade Eastwood. He's a uh, director, stuntman, and stunt coordinator who's worked on projects like The Mummy, uh, Inception, Edge of Tomorrow, Interstellar, Spectre the Tom Cruise version of The Mummy, uh, and he's also the stunt coordinator on Mission Impossible Fallout, as well as the upcoming Part 7 and 8 in the Mission Impossible series. Um, he joined the project because he's worked with Tom Cruise in the past, and uh, he was interested in doing a uh, project that involved more practical stunts. So he's all about keeping it real, not about using tons of CGI. And uh, about his approach to doing large stunts, he says that uh, everything's kind of been done already. So even if you have to repeat what's being done, you have to take it to another level to make it more exciting. And that's kind of his approach to doing like large scale stunts. So the very first stunt we're going to talk about is the airplane stunt. Let's talk about it right now. I missed now. that one. <laughs> <laughs> the first time around, the right? The first time around, yeah. This is the stunt that you saw in all the trailers and in all the marketing for the movie. Tom Cruise hanging off the side of a plane as it takes off from a runway. Uh, they filmed this at the uh, Royal Air Force Station in Wittering, near Wittering, Cambridge, in uh, England. Uh, according to Screen Rant, this sequence was not originally in the script and had to be worked in after the director 
just thought that Tom Cruise would look cool hanging off the side of a plane. And I, again, I was tipsy when I watched it the first time, so I missed it. I did not start drinking until the movie started. Does this have any relevance to the plot? Yes. Except for just the missiles, right, that he pushed off? Because I feel like it really, they, it's just like, here, here's something cool to start the movie, but it really doesn't affect the whole storyline that much, does it? It doesn't affect the whole story, but it is related to the story. It is, yeah. Yeah, because the, the gas that he was chasing after was, I think, being purchased or bought by the syndicate. By the yeah. syndicate. Yeah. Is that the first cold open that's relevant? No, no, because three was relevant to the plot. Yeah. So. Yeah. I yeah. think this one was also relevant because they introduced who was going to be in the film. You in say the, Luther right away. That's, in the first minute, right you know who the Benji key player. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They heard us. They heard us talking shit about uh, Ghost Protocol. And they, <laughs> they brought his ass back. Yeah, it is, but it really isn't. I mean, you can tell it's forced in there at the very beginning, right? Mm-hmm. Like, here you go. Just here's what the movie's about. Strap your seatbelt on. Let's go. Kind of. I mean, come on. That's it's cool as hell. I loved it, mm-hmm. but in a sense, it's I'm like. I feel like we could have tied it in better to the movie than they did, you know? Like, yeah, and you know it's there for, like, humor, like you guys said, to introduce who's going to be the yeah. major players. Like, it, it, it is funny. Like, there, there's some funny moments. You got some humor going on. But I think there were, like, the rockets were, or the, the bombs that they were doing was, like, sarin gas. I just kept thinking of the rock. Right, that's what I thought. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I just, I don't know if you guys thought that, too. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yes, that is actually Tom Cruise running across the wing of that airplane, and that is actually Tom Cruise hanging on to it as it takes off. There was no stunt double. Uh, they did, of course, take uh, safety precautions to keep crew safe. He was in a full body harness uh, that was wired and bolted to the interior of the plane, uh, which was removed in post-production. Tom Cruise also had to wear special contact lenses. And if you watch the documentary, these contact lenses are the full size of his eye. They, they don't just cover like the pupil and stuff like they cover the whites of his eyes as well oh wow like they show them taking them out with like a suction cup and it like pulls like this like silicone thing out of his eyelids and it just he would not have been able there's no yeah. way yeah there's yeah. no way he would have been able I, to do th- that how is he breathing he's tom cruise man so he literally was up there dangling yeah so what do they they would just because i saw a documentary too they would just kind of go up quickly turn around and land real quick right and they did this a couple times i think yeah Tom Cruise uh, did a total of uh, eight takes. Eight? Eight takes. Moving at 260 miles per hour at a 5,000 foot altitude in order to get the shot they ended up using in the movie. And uh, he said that uh, he could not sleep the night before they started filming this and uh, that if something went wrong during a take, they couldn't even address it until they brought the plane back down. So like if something was like uh, fucked up with the harness or something, they'd be like, well, I guess we gotta land the plane and uh, figure that out and then take off again. Yeah, did uh, eight takes. Insane. Why um, would you need eight takes? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I just work here, bro. Why? Some people are perfectionists. Sometimes they say, but hey. What would, what would be different in the shot? Like, like the camera angle? Like, like I don't like the way my, my hair was flopping in the wind. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, that could, that could literally be a thing. It's just like, oh, your jacket or something was in the way of something and we got to do it over. And the way the harness is, we can't get that yeah. out. You know, we gotta, or Tom yeah. Cruise is just like, do it again. Do it again. Yeah. Do it again. Yeah, yeah that might have just been it. So, uh, spend, there's spending studio money just to for a throw ride. Pretty much, might as well. Yeah. They were down with it by the fifth movie. So, uh, there was a funny YouTube comment I saw under the video for the sequence. So there's like a feature on YouTube. Uh, one person says that uh, this stunt isn't even near safe. The plane could have crashed from the weight of Tom Cruise balls. 
So, <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Like that shit had me dying when I read it. Um, wow. So just some info on the plane that they use. Uh, it is an Airbus A400M Atlas used by the German Air Force, French Air and Space Force, Spanish Air Force, and the Royal Air Force. It was introduced in 2013, and at the time of shooting this film, there were only two out in the world. So uh, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation managed to get one of the only two planes uh, that were in rotation at the time. That's how wow. much pull they had. Yeah, they pretty much said like, "Oh, Tom Cruise movie, here you go." They just handed it over, which is crazy. Uh, it is 148 feet long and 48 feet tall, with a 139 foot wingspan. Its max speed is Mach 0.72 or 552 miles per hour. So they're only going half the speed when Tom Cruise is up in the air taking off on this thing. Why? Sometimes, Dominic, when people ask why, you have to respond to why not. You have to. I just keep thinking of all the money, all the eight takes, and I miss it because I had to piss. You know what I mean? That's what I keep like. <laughs> they did it for you, man. No, no, not, not the one. But uh, finishing up with this plane, uh, according to Wikipedia, it's mostly used for cargo and troop transport and uh, medical evacuation. Uh, it can carry a max payload of 40.7 tons for over 2,000 miles. And uh, its 58 foot long cargo hold is long enough to carry six Land Rovers. So this is a gigantic aircraft. But let's move from the air to underwater. We got that underwater sequence. Uh, this sequence was filmed at Southampton Water and uh, Folly Power Station in England. Uh, funny enough, when writing this movie, they had this whole sequence planned out. But because the story wasn't complete yet, they had no idea what Ethan would actually be doing underwater for this stage of the movie. They just knew that he was going to be underwater for a long time at some point. So once again, script second. Uh, the actual set itself, where Tom Cruise is swimming underwater while replacing the cards, is actually a giant 20-foot deep underwater green screen set. Uh, most of what you see in the background is CGI, but Tom Cruise and Rebecca Ferguson are actually underwater during this sequence. Oh, wow, okay. Yes. Wait, so the one where she's holding him and they're going around and the cam that's cameras following them? Yes. How the fuck did they do that? Yeah, no idea. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, I thought for sure that was CGI. I thought, I thought it was some Aquaman bullshit again. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought too. Ocean, ocean, baby. It'll get you wet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, this scene does not use stunt doubles, camera cuts, or CGI doubles. That is actually Tom Cruise swimming around moving underwater and holding his breath for over six minutes. Uh, some people have debated this, but the stunt coordinator says himself in an interview with Forbes that Tom Cruise did indeed hold his breath for over six minutes. For this sequence, uh, both Tom Cruise and Rebecca Ferguson trained with freediving expert Kurt Crack, who put them through a, a quote, breath hold special operations program, which is uh, specially designed for military training. According to Kurt Crack, uh, Tom Cruise liked to overtrain, of course, because he's Tom fucking Cruise, and he would hold his breath longer than he was supposed to, and he would freak the crew out. So they'd be like, oh shit, he's drowning. He'd be like, no, no, sorry guys, I'm just holding my breath You're here. You're telling me he held his breath for six minutes. I'm not telling you. I call bullshit. I'm just, I'm just. Because I, I, me he's liking surfer. <laughs> yeah, me liking the surfing community, all that stuff. Like when you talk about big waves in Hawaii, like they're like you're going down for like two minutes and that's like a big deal you're saying it was six minutes i look at it this way though like he had to train and prepare to hold his breath for a long time whereas like 
you don't know when you're going under essentially maybe i, I don't surf but I, I maybe i could assume that's that's how it works with him it's like do you, do you find that unbelievable though not the not the plain one no i, I find the underwater yeah. no they're both crazy in my opinion i was like i don't know yeah. what Guys, it's Tom Cruise. He just tries to outdo himself every fucking Six movie. Six minutes. Why didn't they push it more then? Like, because we're talking about three minutes and they're freaking out about holding their breath for three. But he's actually really doing it for six. Exactly. So why didn't we push it more than three minutes? So that is the reason why they pushed it because he could hold it longer than three. They extended the sequence. So it was originally supposed to be four minutes, like an extra minute on top of however long he's supposed to hold he it. He gets hit by the crane right at three minutes, right? You're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. So. Because of that, they extended the sequence because he could hold his breath longer. So, okay. yeah. Um, so regarding you know holding one's breath underwater, I did look up some facts about it, and I found that the average person, uh, like you said, Mugs, uh, can hold their breath underwater between uh, 30 seconds and two minutes. Navy SEALs must be able to hold their breath underwater for at least two minutes without producing any air bubbles while underwater. That is a requirement. If you watch the featurette on this sequence, you'll see that Kurt Crack has Tom Cruise taking slow, deep breaths in order to train and hold his breath unassisted. But there is another way that people free dive or hold their breath underwater, and that is called uh, hyperventilation prior to diving. One of the previous world record uh, for holding your breath underwater was held by German free diver Tama Sietas. I believe I'm saying that correctly. Uh, there was a short documentary on his attempt uh, titled uh, 2222. And according to uh, OutsideOnline.com, in 2012, he held his breath underwater for 22 minutes and 22 seconds, beating the previously held record by 22 seconds but he hyperventilated with oxygen beforehand for 19 minutes and 30 seconds prior to his dive. So normally before you dive, you should calm your body, breathe naturally, peacefully, and slow your heart rate all in an effort to save energy underwater. You're supposed to take a few slow deep breaths and then dive, kind of like um, how you see Tom Cruise's training in this featurette for behind the scenes. Hyperventilating is the complete opposite of that. It involves breathing at an abnormally rapid rate. Um, according to the National Center for Biotechnology Information, hyperventilation immediately before diving allows breath hold divers to stay down longer, but it is very dangerous. Hyperventilation has little effect on the oxygen content in the body. It just lowers the CO2 levels in your body and makes it so that the diver doesn't feel the need to breathe until your body reacts on its own. The NCBI states that it may be possible to hold your breath for over five minutes if you hyperventilate 100% pure oxygen, but it is still dangerous. So basically, you're tricking your body into thinking it doesn't need to breathe, and then it could be too late by the time you decide to breathe with hyperventilation. So some people will have like a tank, breathe it in, and that's kind of assisted. It doesn't really do anything for your oxygen levels, it just lowers your CO2 levels. So you still need oxygen, but your body uh, you're tricking your body into thinking you don't need it. Mm. Yeah, which is crazy. I don't get how, like, cause I don't know. I feel like you watch, like, medical shows. You hear stuff like people that go without breathing for a long time, then they develop brain damage. Like, 20 minutes is such a long time. Like, I'm surprised that there's not some kind of damage that, you know, happens to your brain at that point. Um, regarding that, actually, um, I don't have anything about holding your breath, but I do have something about uh, kind of drowning. If a person inhales water and isn't resuscitated within four to six minutes, they will suffer brain damage permanently and uh, eventually die. So four to six minutes without being resuscitated if you're drowning. Oh. Yeah, and that's, that's usually how you'll die from drowning. Mm -hmm. But going back to kind of the world records we were talking about, so that guy that we we're talking about that hyperventilated, he was a previous world record holder. 
22 minutes, 22 seconds. The current record holder is a Croatian diver by the name of uh, Budimir Budasobat, who held his breath underwater for 24 minutes and 33 seconds. And that record was set this year in 2021. Ooh. Yeah, I believe in either March or April. So, and uh, also... I, I, I don't know why. Like, that's what I don't get. Too. Yeah, I, I can understand why Tom Cruise, because he's Tom Cruise, but everybody else, I, I don't get it. Full TV episode, man. Yeah. Like, hey, man, you need anything? That's an episode of WandaVision, bro. <laughs> yeah. And uh, lastly, to finish off this scene, uh, that shot of Tom Cruise jumping into the turbine, um, he actually jumped off a 120-foot ledge, but the turbine was CGI'd in. But he actually did jump 120 feet down into water. So, cool guy. Uh, last last stunt sequence. Uh, it's not too much on this, but uh, the car chase in Morocco. That was bad. Yeah, yeah, Tom Cruise did all the driving. Ooh. And he learned Even that alley spin out into the motorcycle. Yeah, oh, that yeah. was badass. That's with, crazy. Yeah. With a handbrake? Yeah. yeah. Bikes, cars, everything. He did He did all his own stuff. Um, and he learned how to drift uh, from the stunt coordinator, Wade Eastwood, for this sequence. So he knows how they go in Tokyo. Tom Cruise is an assassin. <laughs> he really is. He's it's it's crazy, dude. He's he's like a real life like Batman or something. You haven't seen Collateral? I've seen Collateral. Yeah. yeah. He is an assassin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and if you watch the stunt featurettes, that's both Tom Cruise and Simon Pegg in the car. So even when they crash into the sides of buildings or other cars, Tom Cruise is the stunt driver for those vehicles. Uh, no impressive. Style. Yeah, no that stunt is, drivers. Yeah. That's why he's the GOAT, dude. He's the GOAT. Come on. Yeah. It's crazy. That's why we put him in every movie that, at the end. Yeah. You know? yeah. Do we even need to finish this? $20. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're, we're done. Like, it's over. Um, the motorcycle. <laughs> Uh, so a little bit about the motorcycles in this sequence. Uh, they are the uh, BMW S1000RR. Uh, uh, the top speed on this bike is 188 miles per hour, and it can go from zero to 60 in 2.6 seconds, and it can go all the way up to 100 miles per hour in 5.13 seconds. The uh, 2013 and 2014 models, which they're using in this movie, are the 12th and 13th fastest accelerating bikes ever made. So they're riding crazy, crazy fucking fast bikes. That makes sense. It looks like they're going really fast in some of these. And then that bitch just stands in the middle of the fucking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised Tom Cruise had enough time to react, bro. I know. That's insane. Um, But yeah, that's it for the stunts. Unless you guys got anything else you want to talk about? Mm. He's crazy. Very good. Yeah. I, I do have a question about the underwater scene. How many? Did, did you see anything about how many takes? So imagine if, like, you know, he's able to hold his breath for s- six minutes, and all of a sudden, like, ah, I don't like that. Let's just do it again. I would imagine that there were multiple takes. I would imagine. I mean, how much br- break do you need between takes? You can't just say, okay, guys, let's do it again. Like, that's, that's a good question. Like, yeah. to hold your breath for six minutes, like when you when you're done with that scene or you're done with the six minutes, like you're probably exhausted. Like, yeah. do you wait? Well, I would I would think hours? that he held his breath one time. I still call bullshit, but <laughs> six minutes. But there was some cuts. Yeah. To where I think that like, hey, we need this shot. You got to do this again. I'm there also, was a there was there was a long sequence where it was a continuous yeah. shot where he's holding his breath then as well as the girl. But I would think there would be a couple times where like, yeah. hey, we just need you to insert the card again. I don't know. Yeah, like, I'm also curious what the temperature of the water is. I figured that, like they had wetsuits on. But I mean, I, I still yeah. think like you you would make it like warm or heated because it. I think it'd be different than being in cold water. I don't oh, know. If there's like help your blood flow. Yeah. Better. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Science, guys. Yeah, I know. Go to go to class. Um, <laughs> moving on to music. 
the composer for this film is Joe Kramer. Uh, he's worked on Jack Reacher with Christopher McQuarrie previously. A lot of Tom Cruise alumni attached yeah. to this movie. It's like his own fraternity, huh? Yeah, yeah. like everybody in this movie has worked on a Tom Cruise movie, like multiple ones. It's crazy. The previous composer, uh, Michael Giacchino, didn't return because he was doing Jurassic World uh, at this time. Uh, according to IMDb, the main musical theme, you know, other than the Mission Impossible theme for this movie is called uh, Nessun Dorma uh, from the opera Turnadot, which is the same opera we see Ethan at trying to stop the assassination of the uh, Austrian head of state. Uh, this theme is used a few times throughout the movie whenever Ilsa and Ethan share the screen. Kramer incorporated this music from the opera into the last track of the score for Rogue Nation. I, I believe it's called uh, Curtain Call. So that's it for the music, and that's it for behind the scenes. Nice. Yeah. Still a great movie, though. Yeah. Let's move on to Trash and Treasure. Bling, what is your Trash and Treasure with this movie? All right, I'm going to start off with the trash because it's very, there's only, I think, one in the film. Um, it's the motorcycle scene. I feel like this is now a staple of every yeah, single I wish you could oh. see all of our faces. Like, what <laughs> wow. the hell? It, it is. It's, it's not, this, the scene was badass. It's just like, we have another motorcycle chase scene. Yes, yes. What do you mean another? There's only been one so far. No, number two. Number, number two? two? That's it. And, but then going further, no, I'm saying, I'm saying, no. Then the next film, when, when you see Fallout, another- Okay, but that's not this movie's fault that they did it next movie. But it just, it's, I feel like it keeps getting done now. That's like, that's like getting mad at A New Hope for having lightsabers when Empire hey, Strikes Hey man, I, had, I, I, had, I had, to, had to look for trash and that's the one that kind of stood out to oh, me. Oh, so you, you got the shovel out, you're digging. Okay, okay. I'm just saying, okay, so that, that's, that's the first, that's the only trash that's I ever That's like had. saying there's like another impossible mission that they have to do. <laughs> I fucking hate this. Why do they keep doing this? Oh, Tom Cruise is in this. It's like, oh, he's in the next one too. Yeah. Uh. I, I'm just saying, it was just another motorcycle scene. I'm like, oh god, we gotta do this again. I don't like him running again, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> running, really, really? Okay, I'm saying this. Uh, and all their trash. It's very minor. It's another rogue agent. I think that's been a common theme throughout the entire series or entire movie series as well. There's an agent that's gone bad. So, reoccurring theme. I just like, okay come up with something new. Uh, but aside from that, the treasures. Score, amazing. If you have a surround sound system, the way it starts off with the, the Mission Impossible theme is just like a dun, dun, dun. It's very slow and builds up to the opening scene, which is the plane scene. I love that the, the scene that they teased about the, mo the, the most in the trailer is how they open up the film. I, and I missed it. And because you build I'm it so, up, because I didn't see it in the theater. Just sort of, <laughs> I'm so pissed, you, dude. You build it up so much in the trailer. <gasps> you, you think it's the finale moment, and it's the opening that's, scene. That's that true. I did expect that plane scene to be further into the movie, not like the opener. Yeah, so, so did I. I. Yeah, so yeah. my exam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my other treasure is uh, Benji as an actor, because. You know he's supposed to be like the, the the comic relief in the film, but there are moments where you see really see his acting chops mm -hmm. um, when he's taking the polygraph test and he's like, "Hey, I, he's solid." Yeah, he was solid. He was yeah. like, I, I, yeah. "I don't know, you know, you think I'm, you know, I'm in contact I have with no Ethan? He's he not yeah. my friend." And then on the flip side, when Ethan say he need to go back to the office and like, "No, I had to lie on these polygraph tests and whatever that they say, I am your friend," and it's just very powerful. Yeah, you see the little blip. <laughs> at the end of his testimony. Yeah. Uh, one of the things, I agree with you, I think when he has the bomb strapped to him and yeah. he has to talk to Ethan via Solomon, yeah. you can see like the despair in his face. Yeah. Like he is so good in that scene, just sitting still, stiff, 
reciting these lines that are spoken to him, you can see the worry in his face, like seeing the bomb strapped to him. He's great. Yeah, he's, and he's Simon Pegg in general in all his movies. Yeah, and then of course he has some some funny moments. I think yeah. the, the the moment where he, you know Ethan wants to drive is like. Are you sure you're okay to drive? You were just dead <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a minute ago. And it's like, yeah. yeah, I'm good. But he does that in all the movies. Like in, uh, when Jeremy Renner's asking, you want me to fight and I'll catch you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll let you talk about a lot of the other treasure, but there's the one I, I really want to point out is the villain. Solomon Lane is the best villain in the entire Mission Impossible franchise so far. I agree with you that he's a great villain. It's debatable. I like Philip Seymour Hoffman. No, I thought yeah. he was bad Here, No, I agree. He's a great villain. Though. I like yeah. Here is too. why I love Solomon Lane as a villain. First off, just his look. The glasses, his smug grin. And here's the thing about that. He doesn't actually say his, say his first speaking lines until 50 minutes into the film. Oh, she like terrified him. And right, then when yeah. you do hear it, it's that raspy, just very calm. I don't give a fuck voice, yeah. You look at his, 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 his uh, the things he do. So the second time around, at first time I didn't notice it, and the, the second time around, like he's at the, the scene of every assassin. So like he's at the record shop. He's actually in the, in the listening booth when Ethan goes into the record shop. You don't catch it the first time. The second time around, you do catch it. At the opera house, any villain would just send his lackey to initiate a kill, but he takes it to another level. He sends Elsa to, to kill the chancellor, or the prime minister, I'm sorry, has another assassin sent to kill, to, as a, like a failsafe to kill the, 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 the prime minister, has another assassin to kill Elsa if she doesn't follow through, and then also shows up himself. And like, they have the bomb too to back everything up. And then the bomb yeah. is the like that is overkill for a villain. Like mm-hmm. he does takes all these additional steps just to make sure what he wants to happen happens. The other thing is when Elsa is taken back to the hotel room and he says, "Hey, if you want to kill me, do it yourself." Picks up the gun and just shoots right away. The guy, and, yeah, and you don't know if it's she shot you know Elsa Faust, but she ends up shooting this guy. And then he very calmly puts the gun down. Says his first speaking lines. I mean, and then the whole, you, you alluded to it, Kerwin, the whole, you know, Benji scene when he's talking through Benji, it's just like, where is the disc? And he's just like very, very cold, very calculated. I just love that. I, that's why, I, I think he, that's why he's better than Philip Seymour Hoffman. Well, I think Philip Seymour Hoffman was a great villain. This villain had just so much He's very depth, cold. I very, so that. much debt that like even at, and, and also how it, the way it ended too, where, you know, he gasses Ethan in the beginning and at the end, He's still trying to shoot his way out, even though he's trapped and he gets gas. And it's just a great performance overall. And I, I loved how this, they took a, some of that we weren't, you know, the world wasn't, uh, had, hadn't known. I think this is Sean Harris' introduction to the world. Like I said, there's probably a lot of other treasures, but those are the ones I wanted to talk about. And that's my trash and treasure. All right, cool. Uh, my trash and treasure, I'm gonna start with my trash. Uh, Benji, open the door. Like, how many times do I gotta tell you? Open, <laughs> open the fucking door. Um, one of my biggest trashes, um, I wish that Jeremy Renner was in the field more. We talked so much about him being a field agent in the last movie, um, and I feel like he's reduced to another analyst in this movie. And I get it, you know, his Avenger schedule was kind of conflicting with a lot of things, but like, I, I really wanted to see him like boots on the ground doing stuff. He's good for this franchise. He, yeah. He's great, and I hope that he, he comes back to it. I hope, like he's not in, he's not in a seven, but I hope he's in eight. Um, my other trash is the Halo 5 product placement, the blatant product placement. Like, 
the Windows product placement everywhere. Like every every Mission Impossible, we had product placement. We had Kodak before, and we had Apple in the first one, and now we have Windows phones everywhere. And we Xbox gang, Xbox man. games. Like yeah, I'm just kind of like I'm just kind of like eh, like whatever. I just thought that that one screenshot of him throwing the game in there and then closing his drawer as it the camera looks directly down on Halo Five. I was like <laughs> that's, that's a bit extra. I I get it. And then uh, Alec Baldwin. He's grilling Benji on the classified files, and he says, uh, "Hunt is always one step ahead of us." And I'm like, "Yeah, because he's and and I'm like, yeah, he's the ultimate secret agent, and he's good at his job. That's literally what he was trained to do. Like, yes, yes, he's one step ahead of you." I just want to say one thing, uh, kind of piggybacking off what Blink said earlier too. But it seems like Simon Pegg never answers the question. <laughs> like he keeps asking, yeah. "Have you like spoke to Ethan Hunt?" And he just keeps like saying all these things, like. Uh, I'm not loyal to this guy, or I don't, you know, whatever. But he never says like a definitive. Like when you do a polygraph, you have to say like yes or no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he just keeps rambling on. I feel like that's really smart of Simon Pegg's character too. It shows like he's really intelligent, even on this aspect too. Like he never says a definitive yes or no. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just thought that was a cool part of that one. No, that's mm-hmm. good too because like when I was rewatching it, I'm like Alec Baldwin asked him like, "Give you never you haven't answered my question." And then by the end of it, when the girl's just like checks out he's like you're free to go and i'm like he didn't answer your question (laughs) he never answered it um another thing i have is uh why do they do the gate analysis swap um you know how you walk and talk etc through the hallway Mm -hmm. at the same time benji has to go in and grab the file why didn't they go in the water like the day before or the week before Mm, and swap the cards so that way there's no mad rush to beat a clock of any kind like do it the week before recover Benji goes in on a Monday and then just takes it out so you don't have to worry about him getting tased as he walks down the hallway. Well, I, I thought think they wanted to get there before Lang, right? Yeah. Well, it's also created so, a moment of suspense, but it, that also bothered me because like you have you can hack and get all the, the, the specs and everything for it, but you can't put a profile in. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> The fact that they know all of this stuff is, is yeah. crazy. And also... Why gate analysis? Like, what if I stubbed my toe in the morning? What if I got my foot cooked in a George Foreman grill and I couldn't walk right? Like, what if- I like the smell of bacon. (laughs) Yeah, so- Sue me. Yeah, wouldn't your walk change? Like, what if you have a boner and you're trying to hide it? Like, what what if you wanted to do the the Spider-Man 3, like, you know, like the strut? Like, these are all legit questions. (laughs) Yeah, so it's like, wouldn't your walk change? I felt felt True Lies-ish too. Like, remember in True Lies when they like, they're walking and they like do that whole scan of them too, shows all the guns and make sure it's like, it just felt like that too. Mm. I was like, this kind of like stated a little bit. Like what if you got some victory, like some butt the previous night and you want to do a victory stroll? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you feeling yourself the next day? So I'm about to download these files. Yeah. Uh, Joined the Mile High Club yesterday. Yeah. Um, Like a wedgie or something. Yeah. yeah. It's like all these things. Um, Like you, Bling, I like Solomon Lane, but one aspect of him kind of confuses me. For somebody who's so, like, um, about his shit, you know what I'm saying? Like, he could solve all his problems if he just killed the people that got in his way. Ilsa keeps failing him. Mm -hmm. Shooter. You know, Ethan Hunt, you know he's after the syndicate. I know you're trying to turn him or whatever because he's been disavowed, but it's just like, just shoot him. Don't gas him up, just shoot him. You know what I'm saying? So that kind of confuses me. Like, just kill the people that are in your way because you have all these redundancies for your opera house and you know all these other plots you have, but it's just like, the problems that are standing right in front of you, just kill them. Don't torture Ethan, kill his ass. I kind of felt like that was kind of inconsistent with the way he's kind of portrayed. And then also, you know, with the, uh, the the glasses, the turtleneck, he looks like he's about to sell me an iPhone at any minute. So, you know. Um, but that's that's most of my trash. Um, 
my treasure uh the cinematography is fucking incredible in this movie oh, yeah like this movie looks fucking beautiful my favorite sequence in this movie is the opera house like yeah. i love how it's just music no dialogue and then um using the uh the sheet music to determine when to take the shot insanely creative i, I don't know it's just it's just fucking gorgeous all around like having the play interspersed with the multiple assassins like it just looks amazing uh rebecca ferguson of course she bad as fuck um tom cruise's physique climbing up off that pole <laughs> okay, i was gonna ask you you didn't say it in your research did he really do that he did that that is my treasure that takes a lot of goddamn strength dude because oh, yeah. there's no way man like that's gymnastics type shit dude i got a question is this the best physique he's had in all the movies no what do you think's the best i think it might be He's gotten I don't older. want to say this because <laughs> he had some cannons because we give Jason Schiff this but I thought in number one he's pretty ripped dude and just built I think he's I think he's better in this movie like yeah. to do, do what a pull, he did do a when pull he's, on Instagram when he's on this I know when he's hanging there yeah. I was like dude he's pretty he's, he's, he's also like 15 years older than the first movie so you, like, you didn't yeah. say about age you just said what he's <laughs> I'm better I'm answering the question dude like <laughs> I'm telling you I think he's better in number one than he is in this one physique wise but uh, yeah, debatable. Do a pull. Do <laughs> okay. a pull. Do a pull. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then um, uh, motorcycle chasing. I, I love that. Um, I just love how big and bright and like fast everything looks. Uh, I love that shit. Bling, you touched on a lot of the stuff. But um, one of my favorite lines, and this is my last one, is um, I like the montage where Benji's preparing to steal the ledger. He's talking about, oh, I get to wear a mask. And then he gets caught at the end. Yeah. And at the end, he's just like, oh, yeah, like this is going to happen. And I'm going to wind up in a Moroccan jail playing mommies and daddies with uh, Ahmad the Strangler. And I'm just like, <laughs> I was like, wow. I was like, what a euphemism, mommies and daddies. But uh, overall, I love this fucking movie. Um, it is incredible. I love it more each time I watch it. That's my trash and treasure. Jason, what's your trash and treasure? I'm going to piggyback off you a little bit, Carlin, with my trash. Um, when Tom Cruise was listening to the record, I'm like, why Why are we not killing him right now? Why don't you just kill him now? Like, you gassed him up. You got him, like, end a movie, I guess. But, like, <laughs> <laughs> but, like kill him right then. Um, he's running down that tunnel, too, once he escapes, like, after doing the gymnastics thing. And it's like... It's a straight shot. They're firing automatic weapons at him. It's a straight shot. He doesn't move. He doesn't stagger or yeah. whatever. Like, he's dead. Like, yeah, there's yeah. no fucking way. I'm yeah, sorry. He couldn't hit him. Yeah. The beard didn't like it. I thought the beard, when they show him in Cuba. Like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, no, I was no, like no. he had a beard. I was like, no, 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 no. Yeah. We're not doing this. It's because Jason can't grow a beard, though. Uh, <laughs> I can't. I know. Yeah. I was jealous and upset, and I thought it was dumb. Yeah. Um, <laughs> My next trash is, the, like you were saying, Kerwin, the Windows products. I just felt like the tablets, the phones, I'm just, it's not going to take off. I'm going to tell you right now. like It, it ain't, it ain't going to go anywhere. The car chase, not talking about the motorcycle parts. I, I consider that two different chase scenes. Like you have the car one, you have the motorcycle one. Mm -hmm. The car one I liked up until how the car crashes. It goes in reverse and then it flips end over end over end over end over end. And it's like, yeah... You know, Tom Cruise is still disoriented from the defibrillator or whatever, but it's like, that's a little over the top. I like the car chasing up to that point. So that 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 last point's a trash. And then my last one was, didn't you guys know that Tom Cruise had the mask on when he's playing Chief Attlee when, when they have the yes. the British Prime Minister Actually, there? No. I did. I, 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 I could I tell. Didn't, I didn't uh, the very first time I did not know, and then the second time when I watched it, during maybe like six months ago, I had totally forgotten what had happened at the end, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, I mean it's good, but it's like I totally knew it was him. I totally knew from the get go. I will say this though. Sorry to 
jump in, but like um, that's also one of my treasures. The way they resolve the whole um, should we believe Ethan or not thing all in one swoop. They reveal the syndicate, convince Alec Baldwin that Ethan's right, find out who's really in charge of the syndicate and who let it loose, and and they also get the fingerprint and the voice scan yeah. or whatever. Creative. Amazing how they, they resolve everything in one sequence. Love it. And it was funny. But I just, I, I knew watching it, especially this last time, right when he goes to close the doors and he tells the two guards outside, do not let anyone else in this room. I'm like, this is Ethan? I already know oh, okay. like, I don't know. That I gave it away to me. I didn't catch it the first time, yeah. so you you must be way more clever than me. So <laughs> uh, I don't know about that, but I just I, I just saw that. I, I don't catch a lot of things you guys catch in these movies. That one, I just thought... We haven't seen a lot of the mask stuff in these, and I'm like, dude, this is a perfect opportunity for this to happen. And I feel like they gave it away. Anyway, uh, Treasures, the opening scene with the plane, of course, you know, it's amazing. Um, I, I think it's hilarious. I was laughing today when um, Benji finally opens the door and <laughs> Tom Cruise, like, gets sucked into it real fast. He just gets tossed around like a rag doll. Yeah. I found myself laughing. I shouldn't be, but um, I was laughing. He should have died <laughs> yeah. from the impact of that. It's like... Or at least get knocked out. <laughs> Ceiling, wall, ground. And I'm just like, holy shit. It looks like a ragdoll. I like, even though, like, a perfect opportunity for them to kill him, but the record playing, the record player scene, I thought, I thought, was, I thought it was cool. It was different. Uh, the score was amazing. Jeremy Renner and Alec Baldwin, when they're in that little courtroom scene, I thought that was really good. Um, the physique, I actually have written down. Uh, pretty good. <laughs> nice. Nice. Put uh, the physique. The physique. Um, <laughs> Simon Pegg, I think he just... He's such a great addition to this franchise. I, I love seeing him in these movies. How the the opera program turns into the computer. I thought that was so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was badass. It's not over the top. It's just like a subtle little bit of like super technology. It's a flexible nook. Yeah. It's almost too <laughs> okay, that subtle. Can, okay, that sounds like something else. <laughs> <laughs> but it's almost too subtle. It's like it's so quick, but it's like so badass. And they keep going back to it, but like just it turning from the, the the words into the... Uh, I thought that was so badass. The fucking rifles from the instruments. Oh, yeah, from yeah. the... Yeah, the baton. Yeah. yeah. The flute, yeah. yeah. It, insane, dude. I thought that was really cool, too, yeah. yeah. So there's a part where they're escaping the opera house, and he grabs the rope, and they're going to go slide down it. I like that Tom Cruise ties his tie around his hand before they slide down. Because I'm like, you slide down that with your bare hand, you're going to destroy your hand. Yeah. But he actually, I like that they take the time to like pay attention to that detail. Um, I like how they made the mask for Benji. I think that was like the most most advanced technology-wise that we've seen the mask made, like in that water. Like it was just so cool to see that. I, I know he didn't end up using it. It was just like all like theoretical if Benji was to do this or whatever. But like the way they show get made, I thought that was really cool. Of course, the underwater scene, I like that Tom Cruise passed out in the water scene. I like yeah. that. He's you know, very vulnerable in this movie. Yeah. He is. You know, like driving the car, then there's that other spot where it's just like, hey, he's not your guy that can do anything, anytime, anywhere. It's like he sometimes needs help. Yeah, yeah he's, he's getting yeah. one-upped. He ate shit on that motorcycle. Yeah. He totally yeah. forgot about that. Yeah, so he's like... Gas captured. He's drowned. He's yeah. crashed. He's crashed again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even uh, when Benji and uh, Rebecca Ferguson are d- describing what it's going to take to remove the card and replace it, the camera closes in on his face and he just looks unsure. He's like thinking, he's just like, like you can see the worry in his face. He's like, I don't know if I can do this. Like that's the first time we've seen that in yeah. a Mission Impossible movie where he's like legit worried if he can do it or not. Yeah, I, I, d- I disagree. I think in Ghost Protocol, he was kind of like, I got to do get to the system outside I thought he was a little concerned there 
Okay, I agree with that. Yeah, I, but yeah. I, I think. But I, I agree with you're saying. Yeah. You see it more. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Yeah, it's just cool because like you see him like fumbling with the cards, and it's like okay, so you know, roll the dice essentially fifty fifty chance you put in the right card. Like yeah. okay, we already got that. You already missed the boom once. You got hit by the boom again. You figure, you find the cards. Yeah. You're still holding your breath. It's like. Okay, like if you get it to this hatch and you open it as well when you're about to pass out, I'm like, no, like no. So I like that he passed out and that he needed help. And then, I don't know, I just thought that was cool. It humanized it more. Hmm. Um, and then I still think the motorcycle chase, this, like the part two of the chasing was way better. I loved that motorcycle chasing. Um, when he skins his knee. Oh yeah, he like touches it real quick and I'm like, oh shit. But I just like, it's so fucking fast. I'm just like, this is, and it looks so real. I don't know. It was badass. And it's just so vibrant on the screen. I don't know. But yeah, that's my trash and treasure. All right. Uh, Mugga, what is your trash and treasure? All right. I'll go through this pretty quick because piggybacking off what you guys are saying. Um, I like the opening. I'm going to start with my trash, sorry. I like the opening scene. I just don't think it does much for the story. I think we already kind of had that debate. But it is what it is. Still a great scene. But I, I feel like they could have tied it in better. Um, again, I know we already talked about this in the other other episodes. I don't like how they're showing scenes of the movie in the opening credits. I still don't like it. I know that's how Mission Impossible is founded on. I just don't like it. Um, I you guys, talk, I don't like the fake Benji break in. How they go through those things and it's not real. I don't. I don't understand what the purpose is. Like I just don't like that. It's like, have you guys ever seen the movie um, uh, uh, The Girl Next Door? They do a yeah. bunch of fake scenarios that have no like. Well, if it didn't happen, why are we showing it? I, I don't. I don't know. I just don't like it. You know, like. I would say that one is played for humor, but it's also played. There's so much humor in this, anyways. You know, like. Yeah, but also I would say it's played to show to show you what the ideal situation would be. Like, oh, it's so easy. It's so easy. And then once they get to the gate analysis, it's just like, oh, it's hard. And then it's like. Then we have to add the water thing on top of it. I think I think it's meant to double down on how impossible this whole like mission is. I think yeah. I would say it's trash. Um, anyways, <laughs> um, uh, the underwater scene. I love the scene. I'm just saying though. Let's talk about this. He in this movie has a device that can unlock any key. Like I'm sorry, uh, um, uh, a lock with a key that's made. He has devices for everything. They don't have a portable little oxygen tank that he could take like down there, like to give him a little bit of extra minutes. This is true. Like I don't understand that. Like they, they, like, they, they have. Yeah. Every, he has like a damn bat belt, you know. Like like he has all the devices, and he, they don't have this. Like why couldn't he call Qui Gon Jinn and be like, "Let me get the device you use." You know, what I mean, like <laughs> like I don't understand. Like they have to have something. Dude. So that's one thing I'm thinking too. I'm like, it's 2015. We don't have like a ceramic oxygen tank. Yeah. Ceramic, like something, dude, carbon you know? fiber, yeah. polymer, yeah. like 3D printed. I mean, there's, but I, I mean, <laughs> and then, then you don't get the, the scene as dramatic as it is, but still I, I just, I, that's, I'm kind of looking like, Hey, he's holding his breath, but I'm pretty sure there's something that could prevent him from doing that. But we we have we have an iPhone screen built into the, <laughs> yes. the fabric of yes. your of your yes. sleeve, and we don't have that. And then my last trash is the syndicate agents. Are they trained by stormtroopers? Because they hit nothing the entire <laughs> movie. They hit not, like Jason said in the hallway. They missed him on a direct shot. Yeah. Like like there's I, I don't know. But let's get into my treasure because Luther on the opening scene. You see right there. He's like all right. He's back. I love it. Um, I do like the opening scene. Didn't get to see it the first time. Yeah. <laughs> Saw it the second time. Um, Kerwin, we talked about this on Avengers uh, Civil. Not Civil. Sorry, Captain America Civil War. How hey they always end up winning, but there is like negative effects to what they're doing in New York and all that. I liked how Alec Baldwin is like talking about, hey, 
and number f- ghost protocol there's this thing that happened people died in this you guys stole stuff from the CIA agents so I, I like how they brought that effect in I thought that was kind of cool like hey you are the good guys but you've done some pretty bad shit sometimes yeah, you know like some- I, I, I kind of like that um Again, we already talked about it, him getting himself free from the pipe. I'm glad that's real. That's pretty pretty badass. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Luther is and Benji are their their dynamic duo is great. Um, but Luther at one point he's in charge of finding people and Jeremy Renner's like, Hey, let me know when you found her because he has to find the girl before he finds Ethan. And right away he goes, Found her. <laughs> I thought that was, <laughs> yeah, that was I laughed. Great, I thought yeah. that was great. Um in the underwater scene, when the machine hits them, and you see the two cards floating, tell me you guys didn't get anxiety a little bit. Yeah. You're like, oh, fuck, where's this going? And piggybacking off of Jason, I love that the girl comes in to save it. It's not just Ethan Hunt. It's like, hey, I need help, dude, you know? We were talking about this earlier, but like, don't underwater levels in video games like just cause you so much stress? Yeah, I felt like yeah. you're gasping for air. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, you're, yeah. like when Sonic the Hedgehog is like, can't swim, and he's just, it's just like, <laughs> ding, 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 bubble. Yeah. ding, 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, the way they edited that scene or even directed it, am I wrong? Slot 118 that he has to get to, right? So they tell you that. And so when he's... It's is 108. It, is it 108? Yeah. I know there's an eight in there, right? Yeah. So then when he's around there and you don't know where you're at and he and it says slot 111. I liked how they did that. So you kind of get a representation of like where he needs to go. I thought that was kind of cool. Um Benji has his car, right? And his way to in the car is the hand entry. Tell me that's not badass. Yeah. Like Keyless uh-huh. hand I thought that was fucking badass. Um the girl, she does that motorcycle 180 degree turnout where she takes out all the other I thought that was like really cool. Um the first time Ethan and Luther and Jeremy see each other when they're in the middle of the car chase, hey, like, hey, <laughs> it's like right in the middle. I, I laughed. I thought it was great. Um the car maneuver scene, and it's even more of a treasure that uh, Tom Cruise did it himself when he takes out the motorcycles against the walls. I thought that was just badass. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole motorcycle scene, we've already talked about that. Um, Jeremy Renner, I, again, he didn't have a lot of screen time on this, but at the beginning when he's going against Alan Baldwick's character, I forget his name, but he goes, I cannot deny or confirm. confirm any, I, like any, the, any, I like at the very end, they're on the same team. He goes, what would you say? He goes, I cannot deny or confirm. <laughs> I, I thought any. that was the greatest way to end it, you know, but, but yeah, great, great movie. Got a lot of treasures on that, but yeah, those are my trash and treasures. All right, Dominic, what is your trash and treasure? Like, uh, I'm pretty sure someone said the underuse of Jeremy Renner. I wish there was more like in the field stuff. Um, I put show don't tell when it comes to like these events that are like government toppling. So I wish there was like a montage of like all these ex agents from these different countries that's going out and doing missions and toppling like these governments or well, what was it like events that crippled their economy and stuff like that. And, but they would look like accidents. But yeah, I wish there was like a montage just showing that. Yeah, because yeah. you would never know how effective they are yeah. based on how they can't hit a guy running down the hallway. Yeah, yeah. More more syndicate, I guess, um, backstory. And then uh, I just put better fight scenes. I'm just a fight junkie. I just like a well-choreographed fight between two people. So um, did you like the fight between Ilsa and the Bone Doctor at the end? Not really. Okay. Yeah. yeah it was, it was, and right. and, and you, you make a good point because... Solomon Lane doesn't even really fight the, the Ethan at any time in the in the film. So yeah, yeah good point. Yeah, um, treasure. You guys t- touched on everything, like the flute gun, the baton gun, like the practicality of it. The opera scene was suspenseful. Um, I didn't know what was going to happen in that scene. The underwater, anything underwater, just gives me anxiety. The motorcycle chase was great, despite what Blink thinks. <laughs> I, I I don't have any problems with the actual scene itself. I just 
it was just another motorcycle chasing. Treasure. Okay, what do you, okay, I'm sorry. What do you mean by another? This is the another. second one in five movies. How is yeah. this another? But and that, it's not even the same kind of chase. But it's still motorcycles. Like, we've already done this. Like, imagine if they did another, you know, falling from the ceiling. They've done that. This is the first movie yeah. they haven't yeah. done it. So, I'm just saying, it's just... I, I, and then you, when you see Fallout, you see another... What do you call it? Another motorcycle chasing. I feel like the next, the seven and eight, is gonna also have a motorcycle chasing. Good. <laughs> yeah, it's all part of the cycle. The motorcycle. See what you did there. Nice. me over that so big too. It's like you right there. I gave it a second. I was like, all right, I'll jump on it. It's like my time to shine. You gonna jump on it? But uh, I thought the humor is great to touch on what Mug was saying when the, the alley scene when they find uh, the see Ethan after he just yeah. got out of drowning. I thought the funniest line was when he's like, oh, you just had to pick the four by four. Like, and then the, the chase scene commences, but I thought that was funny. Um, I like the humor in when they were like proving that the syndicate was real. And uh, was it Jeremy Renner's character? What's his name again? Uh, William Brent. Brent. Yeah, he's just giving the breakdowns like, okay, this guy shot the prime minister. You saved him. And he's like, oh, well, thank you. You got warm <laughs> he's all, hands. all like doped up and stuff, I guess. So I thought that was pretty funny. But um, I just like how everything came full circle. Like what you were saying when uh, Jeremy Renner used that same line. That, uh, the very end. Yeah, yeah, that. And then also that uh, the villain Lang got uh, gassed up when he gassed up Ethan in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So I just like how all that played in together. But yeah, you guys pretty much touched on everything. So that was my trash and treasure. So. I just thought this was a, a great movie. Yeah. You know what? I'm su- actually surprised no one brought this up as a treasure, but Rebecca Ferguson. I did. She No, <laughs> you didn't say like she was she was hot. Her ass I, bad. I literally said she bad as fuck. Her she, ass she, is no, her but ass she, is. she You didn't say she was hot. She was <laughs> No, yeah, you didn't say we should No, she she was hot. I was gonna say it for you guys, but she was hot, but she was also a capable field agent. Like she yeah. gave a beat yeah. ass. <laughs> also, I will say this: like, I love that um, we weave her story through this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that she's uh, deep undercover in the syndicate, and she tries. She completes her mission, goes back to MI6 to Atlee, gives him the drive, and this motherfucker deletes that shit and sends her right back. Yeah. And I'm just like, I fucking hated that dude when he did yeah. that because she finally got out. And I love that we we kind of see the desperation in her. It's just like I don't want to be here anymore. Yeah. Like I've mm-hmm. been undercover for too long. I, I need to be here when he's just like, oh, I wonder how many people will actually believe you if you say you're MI6. Yeah. And yeah. he sends her right back. I was fucked up. I, I do like how you teeter on back and forth, whether is she a good person yeah. or a bad person? Like, I don't know yet. I mean, you find out she's got a good intentions. She's just put in the worst pot yeah. ever. Yeah. But I, I like how you're like, wait a minute. No, I, I think I teetered four times. Is she good or bad? Yeah. Good or bad? Because you don't know, you yeah. know? Like, well, she's looking out for herself. She's, yeah. I don't know. She it's has not to, really good know? or bad. It's kind of like yeah. that neutral grounds like I just want to get the fuck out yeah, of here yeah because the people know? that I'm working for both of the people that I'm working for undercover are fucking me over and the people that I'm actually working for are also fucking me over mm-hmm. because she's just like you know here's your other option come away with me yeah. let's go just, let's, let's just leave let's just get away from all this and that's, and that's the whole reason the syndicate exists it's just a bunch of you know MIAs or KIAs 
that are still alive, of course, that are that are just like, no, like fuck this shit. Like we've been disavowed, we've been fucked over by the organizations that are supposed to take care of us. Like we we're gonna start our own network and take all these motherfuckers down. So I like that the true villain are these organizations that are fucking with you. Because if you if you really think about it, Atlee is the main villain. Yeah. Like when you kind of like like the main adversary is Solomon Lane, yeah. but the true villain are these organizations that fuck people over. Like you know the CIA for disavowing Ethan and not believing him I'm like guys we're fucking five movies in he's been right every time <laughs> just just believe this motherfucker one time yeah. one time believe him you seen the physique yeah, believe like, him you yeah. can't like hate number three like we fucked you over we're always gonna believe you from here on out yeah. you know like yeah um, and then and then I have like a couple things I want to point out. I, I thought you guys would bring it up but I do just want to say it um, I don't like that Benji just randomly gets kidnapped I would have preferred if there was some sort of scheme around that. It just so happens that they're at the the station or whatever and they see Ilsa and they all have their earpieces in and then it's just like, boom. Oh no, Benji's gone. Like I wish that would have happened as some sort of sequence, maybe during the chase sequence. Like after the chase sequence, they realize Benji's not there or something like that. Or just let them get in the drop on him while they're like- Show it. Yeah, Yeah. just Just show it. Show don't tell, show don't tell. Yeah. This is probably because the script was second. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But they damn still, they still put it off. No, no, no. I'm, I'm still saying what you're saying is a good point. No, you're I'm saying like it's like well, yeah, they kind of. That's a glaring, you know. Yeah. Um, point where you can see that it's secondary. Yeah, and then um, they even they even talk about how they had to you know stop filming to rewrite the ending and all that other stuff. And then my my very very last thing is just like it's so convenient that Ethan just has photographic memory in this movie. Because did he have photographic memory before in any other movie? Mm. Kind of. He was able to see the one guy I know he can in, in Ghost Protocol, and he drew it on his palm. Mm. Just the one time he saw that one guy. Yeah. He goes, who's this? But I don't know if that's photographic memory, well, though. It, remember yeah, in, right. in, the, in the first film, he was able to recognize all the, the agents at the party, and then all of a sudden at the, when he Yeah, did you're it. right. Yeah, so, I did. I mean, it's kind of, but I, I I get it. Like memorizing numbers is hard. Yeah, like <laughs> names, numbers, accounts, amounts. Like yeah. that just seems like a bit excessive. But yeah. but amazing how he made it so that he was the drive and that homeboy couldn't kill him. Yeah, I I love that shit. But that's uh that's the only things I really had for this movie. Anything else from you guys? All right, let's move on to our ticket prices and tell you how much we would pay to watch. Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation. Bling, how much are you paying? This should be no surprise. This is a $20 movie for me. Great film. Um, I, I know I gave uh, Mission Impossible 3 a, a 20 as well for different reasons, but I think just this film was just a great movie, and I think it set the bar for future Mission Impossibles. I think Christopher McQuarrie was a great choice for a director, and I'm glad they brought him back, and for seven and eight as well, I think I think he did for this film what um, who was the who was the director for for Skyfall uh, Mendes Sam Mendes Sam Mendes did for for for, uh, for what we expected him to do for 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 James Bond, but I think great film overall twenty dollars. What did you give Ghost Protocol? Ghost Protocol, I gave a fifteen. Fifteen, yeah, right. yeah. I think we all did fifteen. I think, yeah. 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 Um, my ticket price, I'm paying 20. Uh, this is my favorite Mission Impossible movie. Um, and, um, you know, I think we've talked about this multiple times, but like, I'm a huge 007 fan. And like, this has that feel. This has like that yeah. smart, sleek, sexy, beautifully shot 007 look to it. And like, I love the Opera House. Like, I, that is my favorite scene in this entire movie. And I just love just everything going on. Like, 
like I, I can't even describe this shit like how I feel about this movie, but I, I'm paying twenty dollars for this for this movie. Uh, Jason, what about you? I'm gonna go twenty as well. Um, I told you guys um, watching all the Tom Cruise movies for uh, the bracket we did a few months ago. Kind of everything kind of bled together, so I, like I couldn't remember this movie like every aspect, but watching it again like from start uh, to finish, it's it's pretty freaking solid, man. Like I'm a big fan of three. I like. I like um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, sorry. I was like Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman, sorry. As Philip the villain, Hoffman, yeah. he's like my favorite villain, I think, out of all of them. But this guy was pretty good. And I just think the action and the way they shot it, um, it's, a, it's a notch above Ghost Protocol, I think. just It's way more vibrant. And I don't know, that motorcycle and the car chasing and the underwater, like everything about it is it was really captivating the whole time. So $20. All right, Mugga, how much are you paying? I, I just I want to apologize that I did not rewatch this for the Tom Cruise movie bracket because I saw it in the theaters, which I really didn't. I missed part of it, but um, I, I don't know. I don't, and I finally just got around to really focusing on it. I, this is a solid movie. I thought Ghost Protocol was the best so far. This is better than Ghost Protocol. I, I have to go twenty. I have to. I have to. I, I just feel bad that I. I don't know. That's what that's what kind of what me and Bling were saying in that episode. We're just, I, I apologize. I'm, no, I'm going to say sorry right hey, now. No need, no need to yeah. apologize. But yeah. like yeah. you and I, we talked and we're like, you guys were giving this, and I think we were fighting you on this. And yeah. I think Jason, you're kind of the same. Like we watched it this week then recently, and like, oh shit, we really shit the bed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like this movie is just from start to finish. I mean, Bling, I want to let you know too. I'm also in in way of doing my own four pillars. I'm this okay. close to having it down. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I think one of my four pillars is, though, if you're watching this at home, are you grabbing your phone because you're bored or are you just that engaged? Okay. When I watched this movie, I did not pick up my phone unless to put on a trash or treasure on my notes because I'm like, this fucking movie is badass, dude. And I, that's one of my pillars. Okay. I'm, I'm, okay. And I got the other... I'll iron it out and I'll let you know. Okay, but, uh, okay. But, but yeah, I, 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 this movie is, is solid. If, if someone's like, hey, I want to watch Mission Impossible, I would say you got to start if you want to go in college. But if you want the best, this is the one you got to go to. So $20. All right. Dominic, what about you? I'm also going to go 20 Um It felt like I just watched it for the first time in a long time and it was quite refreshing. I forgot like the whole plot and everything when I came back to this movie. So it was just really nice. Like, I did pick up my phone, though. You did? <laughs> I did, I did. But uh, it was still an enjoyable movie. I enjoyed a lot of things about it. That's why I, I popped out the popped out my room for like to grab uh, some water, and I talked to Karen. I was like, man, I can't even think of any trash right now. Like, I'm watching it right now. And we both like, yeah, it's a great fucking movie. So, <laughs> And then I just went back and finished it, so... I, I picked up my phone too, Dom. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 actually, because when he was when Ethan was talking about those disasters, I was like, "Are those real life disasters?" And I'm just like, "Yeah." Wait, so you picked up your phone when you're watching it at home? Yeah, when I was. Yeah, when yeah. I was, when, so I just want to make it clear though. Yeah. In the theater. Oh no. Because no, no. my no, first no, time no. watching it was at home because in the theater, no. it was hammered no, I, and I, I missed. I, ne- the, I never yeah. pick up my phone in the theater, but I was at yeah. home when it was, okay. I look at the, two things I do at home when I watch movies is I, I actually turn on the subtitles so you can actually see. Sometimes you miss the details, but when you actually see like oh they're talking about really this. I don't yeah, do that I you do, do that. that that's I something do I do that. subtitles for life you and bro. Kerwin do that I'm yeah. like I don't understand I do subtitles <laughs> and then you see like trash and, and pronunciations and then also when he was talking like I said the, the, the incidents I was like I think those were real incidents and I'm looking up like yeah the, the Malaysian flight and like that actually happened obviously they took creative liberties with like oh the secretary's on that plane this is what happened so but it was cool how they use actual real life events so I didn't even think about that that's <laughs> yeah that's good yeah but I wish they still would have showed it though yeah 
But um, um, I wish you guys all had a drink, like an alcohol, because I want to cheers. We finally have a Tom Cruise movie with a perfect twenty dollars <laughs> fucking yeah. rating. Dude. Yeah, there you go. Sure. All right, That's but yeah, it's, we should have a segment like a t- extra credit. It's like proper movie etiquette. Like, don't pull out phones and. Oh, we talked about that uh, during Creed too. Yeah, oh. <laughs> we need to have like a real a real chat about that. I think I think we definitely do. Yeah. Like, what what is what is suitable at home versus at the theater? Like, yeah. is falling asleep if you go to movies with somebody? If you fall asleep, is that like? movie etiquette like you shouldn't do that shit if you well, know mean, you snore yeah no. <laughs> you like, shouldn't fall asleep but like sometimes you can't help it you just fall asleep in the theater uh, Guardians of I, the Galaxy I, Volume 2 talking, can I bring up a, a fun etiquette thing uh, Quiet Place 2 was just in theaters which I just went with my wife you had mentioned that one of the biggest mistakes you ever had was eating nachos well Quiet Place 2 I'm like Lindy we, we, my wife we, you cannot eat anything alright cool she we get in there. She's biting her fingernails so fucking loud. I'm like, you're a dental hygienist. You tell me not to do it, and you're doing it. But she, the entire movie, and I'm like, do you not hear it? Because I can hear it. Like, it's it's quiet in here. You know, yeah. it was so embarrassing. I was I was so embarrassed. I wanted to like get a divorce right then and there, dude. <laughs> Fuck, you're ruining a quiet place too. Stop biting your nails. Sorry, Lindy. No, I just had this. <laughs> no, I, but she knows she fucked up that day. Yeah, but, but yeah. yeah, it's one of my pet peeves when people just fall asleep. I'm just like. I don't even like, especially if I paid for it. Have you ever fallen asleep in a movie theater? I've once in my entire life. I think it was like I did it twice. uh, Dude, where's my car? (laughs) And Alexander by uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Colin Colin Farrell. Farrell, Two two horrible movies. It's the only time I've ever fallen asleep. Yeah, I can't remember the movie. It wasn't even that great. Yeah, I fell asleep. uh, I fell asleep twice. I fell asleep uh, the first Hobbit movie, and I fell asleep during uh, Guardians of the Galaxy two. What? Yeah, I fell asleep, bro. You're just tired. I mean, no, I was. I was like, it's not good. It's not good. Like, it's it's one of my least favorite Marvel movies. I'll say it right now. Like, I I enjoyed it the second time I watched it when we were doing like the the recap or whatever. But like, it's it's like bottom tier to me. It's not one of my favorites. Yeah, It's, it's mid. Yeah, it's very it's low mid to me. It's it's just low. It's not. It's like Iron Man three levels for me. That's how I feel. Mugga, we are paying 20, right? We are paying So this $20 is our second perfect rating that we've which, given which out. Which, I, I, our first one was um, uh, Ocean's Eleven. Mm-hmm. I Back want to, to apologize because I gave Back to the Future 1 a 15, and if I could go back in time, see what I did there, uh, I would give that a 20. That should have been our first 20, but that, that, that's on me. Yeah. Although Kerwin did give Force Gump a 15. Yeah. That was going to give that a 20. We all were yeah. 20 wow. on that one. Yeah. Hey, we all, we all do things people don't like. Um, but here's something Mama that... said these are my magic shoes. <laughs> Speaking of magic shoes, uh, Tom Cruise starts running uh, at 3 minutes and 12 seconds in this movie. So like the very first shot of him is actually... Like he shows up on the hill, and then after that he's running, running across the it's hill. It's one of his best runs too. Oh yeah, yeah. Look, the, look. The, the background, oh, it's crazy. Yeah, I was just waiting for like do 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 do, like Sonic the Hedgehog music playing. I was waiting for that shit. Um, one thing we did not talk about: uh, the key used to break Tom Cruise out of his handcuffs has a rabbit's foot on it. I noticed that oh. too today. Yeah. I did not notice that. That's I interesting. Yeah. yeah. So it's uh, wait. I thought that was kind of dumb of her just to like show that she has the key to the guy in front of all the henchmen. Did anyone else think that? No. I I thought, yeah, I thought it was like, okay. I was like, okay, you're going to... Are those henchmen for sure dead? Or are they like... (laughs) She was palming it, like facing him. I I don't know. I still wouldn't do that shit. Especially like if you're undercover, like 
but she Come can on, girl. she can do whatever she wants. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so since Tom Cruise is in this movie, we need to decide who would replace Tom Cruise. Nobody. 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 Who can do you like me? Nobody. Yeah. Um, I. That's tough, man. I don't know who I would put in Tom Cruise's role. Benedict Cucumber. No. Cumbersnatch. Cumbersnatch. <laughs> maybe Tom Hardy. Yeah. Tom Hardy is a. I think he's he's he's, he's an action guy, so maybe. Jason Statham, maybe. Yeah, I was about to. Yep, Jason Statham. Yeah. Colin Farrell. Yeah, I think Colin. Colin could Farrell in this movie. Maybe. Yeah. I can see that. It's hard though. Hey. That's what she said. I don't said. think they'll do all their own stunts though. Nah. That's what. Yeah. Well, you want Jackie Chan in this now? He does all Jack- his. Oh, did John Krasinski? <laughs> I'm do talking it? about like an American. John you know Krasinski. Oh. He does no. all those. Yeah, see now all that, those other spy movies, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, the Jack Ryan. Ryan's Jack there. Ryan. Uh, uh, what do you call it? That's it. That Benghazi film. Oh, thirteen hours. Thirteen hours. Yeah. yeah. That's it for Mission Impossible. Rogue Nation. Yeah, and. Uh, so in the words of Tom Cruise, mission accomplished. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Mission, mission accomplished. Thanks for listening to this episode of $20 ticket. Follow us on Instagram at $20 ticket and leave your ticket price about the movies we've reviewed. If you have any comments or suggestions, send them to $20 ticket at gmail.com. That's two zero. The numbers $20 ticket at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to us via Apple podcasts. And thank you for listening. We are talking about the fifth movie in the Mission Impassable. Passable. <laughs> it's more than passable. Yeah. And he wrote it. F. He wrote it. <laughs> Go back to school, Kerwin. And then on uh, March 22nd, 2015, Paramount, yeah, Paramount uh, officially, let me say that again. On March 22nd, 2015, Paramount. You're right. No. M's. I'm, 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 it's, M's. It's the M's and the N's. How now, Brown? How now, Brown? The arsonist has oddly shaped feet. <laughs> Let's find out how much we would pay to watch Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Wait, wait, wait trash your treasure. treasure. Oh, shit, I'm sorry. Yeah, like, what do you... What I you mean, there is no real... There's, uh, there's no trash, honestly. The trash, like, the trash is that it ended.